to Minute 91 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Eric Nash of Almost Famous Minute and Feels Like Weezer. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, Rob. Glad to be here. Yeah. Glad I was finally able to get you on this show. I've been trying for a while, (laughs) and uh, you know, we we finally figured it out. So that's good. So episode 91 begins with Hiltz looking at the, the body of Ives. And goes all the way until we see Roger giving instructions about Harry. As we discussed on Friday, unfortunately, Ives was shot as he was having his mental breakdown and climbing on the fence. I, I mentioned at the time that the, in the original script, there were actually two other prisoners who were trying to help him down that also got shot at the same time. But I think it is a little more effective. And it, it shows less, or I don't know if it shows less brutality, but it's a, a, a different look at br- brutality. The Germans are just shooting one prisoner as opposed to three. You know, if two of them are trying yeah. to be helpful, you know, that type of thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Again, we've we've gone through an hour and a half of this movie, and this is the first on-screen death. Yeah, that, that, that's that's pretty amazing, yeah, for a war movie. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to, to violence and brutality, this, this, this movie is pretty tame. You know, it is, it is a World War II movie. It's a, it's a war movie, as, as you mentioned, but uh, it really isn't... If they were made it today, it would be much bloodier and... You know, there'd probably be a lot more cursing. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just saying bloody. <laughs> if, if Tarantino made it today. Well, this is one of be... Tarantino's favorite movies. So, yeah. so that would, yeah. you know, as, as anyone who's seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right. can guess. <laughs> we're, we're not talking about that scene today anyway. Hiltz was trying to, to save Ives, and he got jabbed in the stomach and, and kicked, to, kicked to the yeah. ground. And he's just holding his stomach in pain, looking up at the body of Ives. As it just like calmly falls down, you know, no one's trying to make any move to 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 do anything uh, to help the the body. You know, it's just gonna fall right down, I guess. Even though we we never see it fall, we just see it hanging in a pretty gruesome way, if you actually think about it. Even though, I mean, he did climb up in barbed wire, and you don't see him all cut or anything like that. Yeah, that's that's the one of the crazier things. Yeah, that that. Uh... People would actually, you know, try actually tr- truly try send themselves into barbed wire and, and and try to do whether it's climbing or just just getting through or what have you. Um, I mean, we do get a little more <laughs> a little more talk probably of that in a moment, but uh, a couple minutes uh, away. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, and 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 then you giving me these minutes uh, the the files, uh, you know, just just seeing. Uh, Steve McQueen start to rise, and like I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure, but then of course it, it, it cut over to that uh, uh, Ives yeah. on the barbed wire, and it kind of jogged my memory a little bit. And then of course I ended up, I did end up in, in, over the space of the months that we've been kind of in, in the process of trying to get get the recording done. Um, uh, j- just a month or two ago, I did, I did actually sit down to watch the whole thing through one one uh, one uh, one more time of, of out of uh, many. Uh, over the many years, uh, uh, but uh, you know that it definitely uh, hit even harder. That oh yeah, this is these are the minutes I have coming up here, and um, boy yeah, it's it's, it's tough uh, that uh, you know the, the the great thing is is that it that it it's what spurs on what what, what we see here truly in this minute the the, the main brunt of of what we what 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 we see and what we hear from Hiltz. Um, to Bartlett that uh, 
you know, he's going to actually do what what he he'd been asked before and said he wouldn't do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's it's a it's a it's, game it's changer. Mature. It's definitely a game yeah. changer for for Hiltz. You yeah. know, uh, and and they also, I mean, Bernstein's music in this scene is also great. Okay, you know, we get a really somber tone through throughout this whole scene, where uh, you know, as 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 I mentioned, this is the first on screen death, but but this is one that 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 hits hard both for the audience and also for Hiltz. I mean, Hiltz. Yeah. Is pretty much a one-man show up until this point. You know, he's he's letting Ives ta- tag along numerous times, mm-hmm. but in general, he he's a loner. You know, he's he's in it for himself. He wants to 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 try to find a way for him to escape. If he can help someone else at the same time, he's he's willing to do it, but he's not looking for that. This this is the moment where he realizes that wait a second, you know, I'm I'm not here alone. There are 600 other prisoners in this camp. And if I can help them, uh, I probably should. And I, I like the fact that this happens pretty much a little bit after the actual middle of the movie. But mm-hmm. pretty much, I mean, it happens at the, the 90 minute point, the 91 minute point, you know, like as, as the 90 turning into 90. So, and the movie's almost three hours, so uh, it's, it's, it's pretty close to being the, the exact middle of the movie where you have this character mm-hmm. who is very brazen. And haughty and is able to do whatever he wants and says whatever he wants up until now and and now we're going to see a different side of him. You know, we're going to see the selfless side of him as opposed to the selfish side of him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 great terminology to use. Yeah, for this ama- amazing turn. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and we get to see it. I mean, uh, Steve McQueen is not known for, for being a, a, an actor who everyone who, who was loved by, by cast and crew. He might have been loved by the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, most cast and crew that have discussed working with McQueen, they, we're, not, we're not giving pleasant renditions of, of working with him. You know, cause, because of the fact that they, they felt that he was always trying to steal the, the limelight and always wanted to, as much as he could, be, get top billing and get the most... Out of, out of everything. I mean, perfect example is, I mean, it's, it's 10 years later, but uh, it's the whole story with Towering Inferno, where he and Paul Newman, you know, the whole question was, is okay, which of them is going to get top billing? And then I think they made an agreement that, that on half the posters, uh, one of their names will be above the other, and wow. the other half will be the other one. And in their contracts, it said that they had to have an equal number of words and an equal number yeah. of screen time. <laughs> you know, it just gets, gets to be a little much. I mean, I, I love the Towering, Infer- Towering Inferno. I think it's a great movie, and it, it's it's great seeing both uh, McQueen and, and Newman together in it. But when you know what's going on in the background, it, it sort of takes a little <laughs> away from it. I mean, I've I've heard some things about the, this movie, and I think I think most of the people when they talk about their experiences now, uh, try try to be a little more polite when talking about McQueen than than they yeah. did at the time, because at the time there was apparently a lot of bad blood. I mean, even between uh, the director, between Sturgis and, and McQueen, because McQueen kept getting upset at Sturgis that, that he wasn't in the movie enough. His character isn't isn't more visible. Sturgis kept telling him, okay, you got to be patient. You're going to see what's going to happen. And I, I recently was listening uh, to the commentary on the Criterion edition, and Sturgis says on that, and this was recorded on the Laserdisc before he died, obviously, in the, the early mm-hmm. 1990s, and he basically said that, that there was a point where they uh, showed dailies all the time, but there was also a point where they showed half the movie to the whole oh. cast and crew. 
Uh, wow. It was unfinished, but they showed it to them. And yeah. Queen threatened to, to quit because he didn't have enough screen time in that in, in the hour and a half that they showed. Mm. And Sturgis mm-hmm. had to basically calm him down and said, trust me, just wait. And apparently when he saw the final film, he finally got it and understood that mm-hmm. you know his character is the, the heart and soul of this movie. Even though you might not see it along the way, but you notice... Once you get to the end, you know that 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 uh, without Hilts, this uh, mm-hmm. movie wouldn't be as upbeat or as hopeful as it as it is. Again, it's a it's an escape movie where most of the prisoners don't manage to escape. <laughs> it's not yeah, an right. easy sell <laughs> right. from from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Continuing along with the minute, so we we get to see Hilts stand up and just give a really really long look at his friend Ives. Because he also knows that he is somewhat uh, at fault for this happening. Because he's the one who insisted on taking Ives with him on this, uh, you know, when, when they got out of the cooler. He knew that he was, he was close to breaking, but he still, you know, he liked the idea and still was able to, to, to take it uh, through. That didn't help Ives in the end, because Ives ended up completely cracking under all this pressure. And you can see the realization on his face that, that he knows that... that this death is on him. It's not. There's no one else that, that can really be blamed for this. And then I like the way that he just walks forward. You know, the German guard is is holding a machine gun right on him. He's got a, one in his back, one in one in his front. But he still just takes his time and walks towards the guard, and goes to pick up Ives's hat that's on the ground. And he clasps it, and uh, basically he holds it in a very I'm trying to think of the right word for for in a cherished cherished way. Yeah. Meaning, this is something I'm going to now keep with me. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. this is going to be my reminder that I'm not alone here. That there there are 600 other prisoners that that are trying to get out of here along with me, and I, I think it's very effective the way that they they show it. And then we get to see that he walks back to where everyone else is is standing. Yeah, I'm sure you noticed by this point, no one's drunk anymore. You know, as much as they all slurred their words. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, last week we were mm-hmm. talking about the fact that you know this this was very potent uh, vodka that they were all drinking and they were all slurring their words and uh, you know some of them were, were saying things backwards. I, I, McDonald himself said uh, Tives instead of Ives or something. I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact uh, thing that I was talking about last week. But he, even he mixed things up, They're, you know, and he's very prime and, and, and perfect, Mac. You know, that this, but here everyone's quickly sobered up. This, you know, I guess the smell of death can really uh, sober everyone up as, as much as possible. And then Hiltz walks up to Roger, and uh, this is basically, you can now, now he's verbalizing his, his feelings for everything, and he basically says to him, because uh, just to remind everyone, Roger had asked him to, to, to go out and get caught as quickly as possible and bring back as much information and intelligence about what's going on immediately outside of the camp. So mm-hmm. at this point, he's finally made the decision that he's going to do it. So he basically walks over to Roger and tells him that, uh, let me know the exact information that you need. I'm not even wasting any time. I'm going out tonight. You know, he's he's ready for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a no-nonsense guy. He'll He'll get things done. As quick as possible, you know. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And Roger then agrees. You know, the, the I like the, the contrast also here. Just a, 
you know, just a minute ago, everyone was cheering and happy and drunk. And then everything just quickly just switches. And that, that, that's one of the things I, I love about this movie, how you can have one particular scene that is uh, joyous and the next one is more somber and then vice versa. The, mm. the, the tone changes quite quickly throughout the entire movie. And they do it very effectively because, you know, if anyone were to ask, is The Great Escape, you know, a, a happy movie or a sad mm. movie or, you know, like what, what type of message, mm-hmm. you know, what type of feelings would, would you think this movie is going to emanate? And I think that most people will say that it, it, it gives you so many different types of feelings because of the way that everything is done. It's not, it's, it's not fluid in the same tone or level throughout the movie, the whole movie. There are, there are lots of, of ups and downs yeah. and, and all of these ups and all of these downs make you enjoy the movie even more. Because you're, you're yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very much a roller coaster ride. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's got it all. You know, I mean, it's there's, you know, there's there's very little of, of, of uh, certain types of feelings that are left out, and uh, yeah, it's it's great, great for that in that, in that respect because of that. I think, mm-hmm. and and it helps you, it helps the characters be become more developed along the way also because we get to see all the 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 various things that they go through in this roller coaster ride that you know that that keeps going up and down and 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 around and you know upside down and any direction that you might want to think about this this movie really takes takes you through them all i mean one of the things that i that that i I mentioned earlier about that i was listening to the to sturgis's commentary and one of the things that he said was is that a lot of people were trying to get him to cut the movie down. They were saying that the movie is just way too long, and he cut out a few scenes, and then he he viewed he had a viewing, and then people came over to him and started asking him questions that were answered in those few scenes specifically. I think one of the ones that he mentioned was the the whole the whole he had to take out the scene where Griff was showing you know all the different types of uh, clothing that he can make, and then so someone came over to him afterwards and said, well you know it was a great movie but. Where did they get all the clothes that they used in order to to, to break out? <laughs> so the 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 movie is is definitely a, it's like a building block. You know, it's built up like like a, a tower or or a, you know you can maybe compare it to Jenga or something like that. If you if you pull one piece out, everything's going to just compl- completely collapse because it's all it builds on on so many levels. Every single part of this, this story. So if you pull one out. There's, then you're going to have a lot more questions about what's going on. Personally, I can sit and watch this movie over and over, and I don't feel that it lags in any perspective mm-hmm. because it's always giving us information. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, I'm assuming most people can't sit and watch a three-hour movie like this, like that. I mean, when, when I listened to the commentary last week, I actually listened to it back-to-back. There were two commentaries on the Criterion. I, I So I spent six hours just listening to this you know, to information about this movie. And this isn't the first time that I've done that. You know, listen to it. And it's just, it's just so fascinating because of the way it's all built up. And, and yet you have an ensemble cast. And when you've seen this movie numerous times, you know who everybody is. Obviously, you know their jobs right away because of the way that, that things uh, break out. You know, the way that it's all uh, described along the way. He, he tells, uh, Hiltz tells Roger that he's, Decided that he's going out tonight, and Roger agrees. And then Roger, who's the no-nonsense planner, 
the next thing he mm-hmm. does is he knows, okay, they, they found Tom, so let's now just move into Harry. He basically gives the order that we're going to you know, open up Harry, we're going to dig, and we're actually going to dig around the clock. Showing that, that it's, it's interesting that he actually says it that way. Because, you know, to say that, that they're going to dig around the clock, that they weren't digging around the clock up until now. You know, were they, were they leisurely <laughs> digging? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. And, and back to the hair, you know, yeah. uh, opening up Harry now. Um, you know, that's, it is a thing I think I kind of forgot a bit about, that, that, that oh, they did have these code names for the three different uh, uh, tunnels and, and, and very, you know, uh, you know, whatever, wherever that comes from, just, you know, the, 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 those three uh, men's names, Tom, Dick, and Harry, being an old thing, um, it's, you know, they, they, they had three of them, so they wanted to they wanted to come up with three names, and that, that that sure makes a lot of sense. So that way they can kind of talk about it in code a bit. Yes. But, um, but uh, you know, in, in, again, in, in getting these minutes from you, I, I sure as heck forgot about it then. And hearing it, I don't know that I really caught on right then, but then upon the rewatch, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it really were, reminded, did, did, really reminded me of. Did you think they yeah. were doing an autopsy or something? Yeah, right. <laughs> Open up, Harry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, I mean, it just flew over my head at that point, I think, upon the upon the initial watching of the minute a couple times, you know. But then but then upon the rewatch of the whole movie, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I, I think maybe we can look at it from a different perspective and say the idea is is that they were sporadically digging parts of Harry, and then they closed mm-hmm. it down a little bit, and they then they were putting all their efforts into Tom, and then when now that Tom got broken uh, got found, so maybe the point is is okay, now we're not going to be sporadically dealing with Harry anymore. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna give full force to Harry. Sure. You know, as a reminder, uh, Tom and Harry are completely parallel to one another. One goes out of... Oh, okay. I didn't know that yes. part. Yeah. One goes out wow. of 104 and one goes out of 105. Yeah. So, you know, the whole the whole idea that they miscounted, they miscounted on both of them. You know, with the... Yeah. With the, you know, another another shout-out to Jake Clewitt, you know, who, who brought up for the first time the fact that Cavendish is the foil here of everybody who, you know, he's the one who causes all the problems. His main problem is he doesn't... He's the surveyor and he doesn't know how to properly survey. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, you know, that works for, for both Tom and for Harry. <laughs> Dick came out from a different thing. I think they said that that, the, that they were digging from the kitchen. But in the movie, they never show it. It's not something that was... Yeah. And, and in the original story, in the original, you know, in, in the reality, that Dick was actually the one tunnel that they rarely dug, dug in, and they actually used it at some point to hide dirt. From the other tunnels. Mm. Wow. Uh, after they had dug part of it, they decided to to spill some of the dirt back in. So yeah, that's uh, another fascinating tidbit about mm-hmm. the, the Great Escape. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, speaking back back to the dig part though, when uh, j- just just bef- just in the last last moment of of uh, watching a minute some more. Uh, when uh, today when he when I was watching it and he, and he says we dig. And I just had to think, four bugs trapped in amber so that we can clone dinosaurs. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it almost it almost cut off right at that moment, but it did have that two more seconds of for him to say around the clock. Yeah. But. That's true. Do you, now, I, I've asked yeah. this question to other guests. Do you think that both Roger and 
Hammond could theoretically be the same person. Oh, wow. That would be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause, cause, yeah. Because the truth is we never see Roger get shot. Escapes. Wow. Yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. is he is in an area where he should be shot, but, but we don't see it. There's nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who knows? I mean, we also don't get to see Ives' body besides him hanging there, you know. No one drags away the body or anything like that. You know, like in Die Hard, you know, where they're just dragging a body across the... You know, Ellis's body is just being dragged in front of everybody. Yeah. All right, Eric, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, this yeah, minute? Yeah, I, I think that wrapped up uh, notes I had, I had made. All right, excellent. Do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, like um, so like you said before, the the two uh, my main two main main podcasts ongoing right now. Um, uh, almost famous minute. It feels like these are both at Pon- uh, at Pantheon podcasts. Um, you can find uh, a whole bunch of uh, great music uh, related uh, podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. dot com. Um, and otherwise, uh, just uh, you can look me up like on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Lucky Mustard, or actually Lucky Mustardine. At the ing because someone else stole my name uh, that I that I had had been using as a handle for the previous five years when I finally got on Instagram a couple of few years ago. Uh, so I had that ing, but um, yeah. So uh, look me up and uh, find out anything else further down the road for any future future folk. <laughs> uh, right. You can find uh, any any further uh, podcasts I might do in the future. All right, wait too. Great. And uh, while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any po- on any podcatcher they might be using to listen to the show. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. So, Eric, you want to come back in tomorrow to discuss this movie a little more? Oh, definitely, yeah. All right. Excellent. So, until tomorrow, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.